Live from New York City, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show with special guest Danny Shades. Brought to you by Driver's Village, Installations Unlimited Black Friday Sale, GNC Foods Now Hiring, and Pathfinder Bank. Hey now! And welcome to the big show. Uh, we are here at the uh, Eastside Marriott in the lobby. Uh, covering the Syracuse basketball games and the Syracuse football game against Notre Dame uh, tomorrow. Big game for uh, the Orange tomorrow. Um, weather is going to be a factor, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we do a full-blown football segment. Sitting with me, one of the legendary players in Syracuse University basketball history, 18-year veteran of the NBA, and my good friend uh, who brings... A lot of value to the show because he knows a hell of a lot more about everything than I do. And that is Danny Shays. Danny, good morning. Why, good morning, Daniel. It's uh, very nice to be here. You know, this is the highlight of my year, being able to hang out with you for an hour or two, <laughs> listen to the stories. <laughs> <laughs> and No, totally serious. Great to be here. And we've got uh, Polly, of course. And, you know, because this is a sports-related show, we have to update his nickname. So now, from now on, moving forward for this show, he is Polly Pavilion. Is going to be his well, uh, his new nickname. Well, you can call him whatever you want. I, I've had people call him a lot of different things in front of me in my presence. Well, this is the the one we can actually say. We call him Paulie the Mole because he is truly the mole, and I can explain to you why. Also with us is Mike Waters. Mike, good morning. Daniel, it's good to be here. We're excited to have you, too, for your inside analysis of what is all Syracuse University sports. He can say what we're thinking. You know, I, I came down here saying after watching us lose last night uh, with uh, some superlatives that probably won't make the air. Um, but, uh, yeah, having Mike here with a, a fresh set of eyes and ears, um, you know, about uh, our situation in, in basketball last night and how we move on from there. But I got to tell you what happened. So Paulie was, uh, unbeknownst to me, indoctrined into the Baldwin family by my brother Alec just recent weeks um, and uh, he is now considered the fifth Baldwin brother um, but unbeknownst to us is Paulie, there a ceremony or a ritual well, or no there was we... about to be a ceremony I think last <laughs> night that we want to talk about um, so so uh, Paulie then jumped ship and de- I declared ch- I that, he was, a uh, joke. that he was a, a Wahlberg and no longer a Baldwin <laughs> which Alec got wind of and suddenly out of nowhere Alex who was busy last night said hey Let's have dinner. Bring the mole. <laughs> he said, bring the mole with me. So so I, I traced the address that he was going to have it at, and it was uh, it was the same address, Louis in the Bronx from The Godfather, uh, where the gun was hidden behind the, uh, the hand dryer. Uh, so the question is, was Alec going to have you whacked last night? Maybe. It's possible. You're a made man now. You wouldn't know. You're, you're a made man. You wouldn't know. You would make <laughs> a lot of people at Syracuse happy if I got one. And I heard they were remodeling. There's a lot of plastic. There's a lot of plastic. It was all the way up to the walls. They get seen from Dexter. Yeah, it was it was not from Dexter, from The Godfather. <laughs> when uh, when uh, they they make, they're going to make him. They're going to make him. He's going to be a made man in the sky. Good fun. <laughs> Goodfellas, good too. Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another that's one. That's what I'm talking about. You're like he's Joe Pesci walking in the room having no idea. <laughs> he is. He's a made man. <laughs> I made a joke. I'm not a Wahlberg. Well, I'm not funky not, enough you, to be a Wahlberg. You can, you can backpedal all you want, my friend. All I know is Big Al's supposed to be here in studio today. Al, like, you can explain Alec likes to me more than you like me. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> Alec likes you more than he likes me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Now, I must admit, you are the right size to be a Wahlberg, though. 
Oh! You know that 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, uh, How you know. tall is Donnie taller? No, Donnie's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so, let's talk Although about... Although a little more buff than you, I must admit. Well, we got Stay that left. going on. Lebetard, we're going to be on at 11.30 today. Yeah, this is a complicated equation. So, as you know, as listeners to the show, we have been doing Celebrity Prognosticator, rotating Baldwin's in, and so on. And they were, and we were obviously dangling the carrot of having Alec be the last one. So Alec finally, after the rest of my family losing, um, Alec comes on last week and beats uh, Colin Coward. Colin Coward does his blazing five picks. We pick five games, and whose record is better? So Alec wins. He comes back. So. Dan feels like we've infiltrated, Levitard feels like we've infiltrated his show. So he decides on Thursday to call Mark Wahlberg last week as, as a kind of a, 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 a snide on us. And he, 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 Wahlberg goes 0 for 4. <laughs> He's terrible. So their retaliation was to call Donnie Wahlberg now. And they had Donnie on yesterday. And Donnie messages me on Twitter saying, why are they trying to get a beef going between our families? And I said, you know, bro, I don't know. You know, they're, they're, they're sore losers. And we outfoxed them. And we've been on their national show now for 10 consecutive weeks. And here comes, comes Alec. Now, one of the things that have come from this, in the five games, we picked the first four and the fifth I become the character Nostra Daniel, who does a quatrain in picking the thing. So today we have a very, very special quatrain segment for them as we prepare to pick our five games with my brother Alex, supposedly in studio. Now, whether Alex shows up or not <laughs> remains to be seen. This could be I from a cell phone in a cab. I could be Alex if we... Well, they have, they have a valet here. He'll be in good shape. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'll believe it when I say it. You get those jokes out now. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got my, I've got my Alec impersonation ready. Don't worry. There you go. It Perfect. took me half a beat to catch up to Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get those jokes out now, kid. So I got a question for you. I want to tease the football segment just a little bit because I, th- I thought about this as I was doing my notes this morning and segmenting the show. And that is, you know, as much of a draw as it is, for us to turn around and be able to say, and we had John Wildhack, athletic director of Syracuse University yesterday, and he says, listen, saying we have a dome, uh, forget about whether our weather limitations if we didn't have a dome. Having a dome is a huge thing when you think about being a college athlete coming up to play. You play in a dome, it's louder, you know, so on. So, and it's pretty cool to say you play in a dome. And if you're playing Dino Baber's offense, it's a great place to be. For sure. Here, here. So, so with that said, Notre Dame plays in an outdoor stadium in northern Indiana. Do they have the advantage in this weather? Absolutely. I, th- I think they do. I think they absolutely do. Well, it's going to be sunny. That's the good news. So I don't yeah. think the field's going to be sloppy. I don't think it's going to be. If it was yesterday and we were playing in that snow, I, I may feel a little different about it. But I think by tomorrow the field's going to be uh, dried out. As they say, it's football weather. 45, sunny. Yeah, but it's never that way in the Dome. They and never the, have to play in that. They don't have to practice in it. Nothing. So, but they're, you know, they walk. They the practice cl- outside. They walk to class in it. <laughs> Does that qualify? No, they practiced outside. Last Only if Dante week. Strickland's carrying any books instead <laughs> yeah. of a football. Exactly. Well, as long as he's got three points of contact when he's uh, going to biology class. Well, I can remember yeah. when I played, and there was something to say about even in practice when it started getting cold. You know, when it drops below fifty, you know, even fifty, when it's in the four, low forties, and someone hits you. It feels different than when you get hit at 70. <laughs> I mean, it really does. And, and that's going to be, I think that's going to be a factor. Um, you know, 
I think that we actually have an opportunity to do something really special in this game. I do. It's all about the first quarter for me. I don't. I don't want to have to play catch up. You know, more than a touchdown with Notre Dame. I think if we go and we fall behind, I think it's going to be a really difficult task for us. Yeah, and I think the big risk is if you end up, you know, especially you play a high tempo offense. If you go two, three and outs in a row. Your defense is on the field a long time without, a, without much of a break. Yeah. So they have to control the, control the tempo, get some big plays. Big, and big play, we talked yesterday about you know, special teams and some of these things, but big plays also are going to be, you know, be a, a thing because you know, Syracuse can score on some big plays, get back in games they're behind or you know, break a game open. And, uh, and we'll see. And, the, and that's why you're right. The weather could play a big factor in that. And uh, you yeah. know, so a sunny day is, is definitely going to come How crazy is it that right now Syracuse lost to UConn last night in basketball? And we've, we've got football to talk about. <laughs> you know, we're here talking about a football team. Well, this that, does, I've been in Syracuse for uh, on the radio for 25 years. And this may be the second time we've been able to blow off <laughs> a, a basketball well, loss and, to UConn and, to and, talk and, football. And, and, and let, me, let me address that um, with my power producer, Polly Sibilia, the mole sitting next to me. As we segmented the show together this morning before either of you were here, uh, Mike wasn't coming until 10.15. I know, he showed up so, early. He's so, a good guest. Which is great. He's a great guest. I hope mm-hmm. he stays the whole show. Uh, but but with that said, we intentionally went a whole segment just called Mike Waters and then SU Basketball mm-hmm. after we did this and played So yeah, What I know. because of what my producer told me. Yeah, I know. So, I'm so just how, saying right now, how great is it that we can talk football? How great is it? How great? Well, especially when Imagine can, if there I, wasn't football, I, we'd have to I be keep going. I'm still waking up. So. <laughs> right. How's that coffee? It's working. <laughs> well, especially leaving the uh, MSG last night in the sh- you know, shin-deep slush, you know, unable to get any type of transportation back from the game. So let's the, you know, throw a little uh, insult to injury after that one. And then you come back to the hotel and everyone's you know, face is hanging on the ground from losing the game. And uh, so yeah, football is a you know, nice diversion, but uh, you know, I feel good about the game today. I think that uh, uh, you know those early season you know bite in the ass losses you know sometimes can uh, can make a big difference for you. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, you know turn it around, and uh, we'll talk more about the specifics of the game. But you know I'm, yeah. go- I'm going a silver lining on this one. Okay. Well, I, I charted out quite a bit. I, I got pretty in depth this morning with my analysis of uh, and, and and there's some things that perhaps. You guys, and I'm going to call it my squiggy segment. I'm going to talk to you about my squiggy basketball segment. And like Lenny bo- and Squiggy? Squiggy. Lenny and Squiggy, for sure. Hello. Lenny, Lenny and Squiggy. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you about Schlemiesel. that. And I'm, going to, and, I'm to, and I'm going to tell you Old from, people jokes. from a, um, a, 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 a person that plays basketball still, nowhere near, obviously, at the level when I used to play with, you know, uh, Shelton Jones and Walter Berry, and I played with some some good basketball players. We we played in a league together. I played in the NBA Entertainment League. Again, we couldn't you know throw the balls to guys like Danny Shays and blah blah. So I'm not claiming that, but I have a basketball IQ. And there's a few things that happened in last night's game that I I, I guess I just don't understand the intricacies. Yeah. And if you did throw it to me, I certainly was not going to throw it. Back. Well, you're like a black hole. I know. Yeah, I wasn't throwing it back. Whatever goes sure. in, never comes out. He wasn't going to score either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where'd you say that restaurant was? Because wow. <laughs> wow. I Louis in the Bronx. Yeah, it's Louis in the Bronx. All right, we're now. going there for lunch. Yeah, we'll pull the U-turn on the bridge. <laughs> that was terrible. Come on, you guys have no sense of humor. You guys sit in right. me all day. I know, but we're supposed to. Make Did you start as a freshman? Uh, actually, I did not start till being a senior. Wow. I was the uh, uh, the come out of nowhere, uh, you know, big finish. Went from 
you know, kind of off the board to high second center picked in the draft, and uh, you know, by having a great end of the year tournament and and college all star tournaments. So I had a very different path. Wow. So I was a four and done. Four and done. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see a lot of those. Anymore. We don't see a lot of those anymore. Yeah. Now, there was a fellow by the name of Roosevelt Bowie, one Ro- year ahead of you. Yeah. Roosevelt was a pretty good player. Yes. Yep. And actually, they've retired both of our numbers. Just so you know, they and when we get to the spelling name wrong segment. They spelled <laughs> Roosevelt's name wrong on his, and they spelled my name wrong. When they retired my number, for some reason, they wrote C-O-L-E-M-A-N, <laughs> uh, which is completely spelled wrong. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how they did that either. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's, it's definitely something. we got to work on uh, on some take some spelling classes here. Those, yeah. those, That'll be in so what. That's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, good. I look forward to it. Yeah, that's uh, – that's, I mean, I know – so they spelt – All right, see Roosevelt's name wrong. Yeah, yes, save, her, save her but, for but, next segment. But, but, but I just got to tell you, that's a foobar that is beyond me, man. That's just, just, I come from a world of production I think and accuracy. I think it's know. the same guy. I, well, you know, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, uh, Michael Mann, the director. Uh, Michael directed me in a movie. He's done a lot of great films. And he did Last of the Mohicans. And he fired a woman... Because the moccasin laces, they they weren't these like old frayed like and looked original. They were newer leather, and it was on the on the laces of their of their moccasins. On Daniel Day-Lewis, and he fired her. He said, "What the hell is that? What is that?" And he turned to the woman, was like, "Oh, we we didn't have any leather. You're fired. Get out. You're fired. He fired her." Because of the moccasins, that's how accurate it had to be done. Well, we played a game once, and I threw the ball to Danny Anage. <laughs> because, uh, Danny Ainge had his name, name spelled wrong for a uh, for a while on the back of his road jersey. Who were you noticed. playing with? It you were teammates with Danny Phoenix. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Good old know. Danny Anage. <laughs> Danny Anage. All right, let's go to break. We'll come back and play so much. Live from New York City, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show with special guest Danny Shays. Brought to you by Drivers Village Installations Unlimited Black Friday Sale. GNC Foods now hiring and Pathfinder Bank. Hey now, and welcome back to the big show. Joshy, Josh, you got some so what ready? Joshy, Josh. Oh, Joshy, Josh. I'm so excited. <laughs> you just come back up? All right. Well, all right. Well, we'll just do it. Okay. We're not going to get that. He's going to turn the music back up. Maybe Neil's doing it. (laughs) Or did Josh fall asleep? I don't know. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. It's time for. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and I just can't. Josh just quit and walked out of the studio. It's unlistenable radio. You understand me? Daniel Baldwin Show. Multiple reports have come out Carmelo Anthony and the Rockets have parted ways or will part ways in the near future. For the time being, Carmelo will remain on the Rockets but will not play. They parted ways. He's going to remain on the Is he going to suit up and show up? And No, he's just he's gone. Okay. Well, I, you I know, didn't write these, by the way. I think he's the fall guy right now for a situation out there with a slow start. I will say this. Um when you look at a team that took the champs to game seven, uh, and, and I think 
I don't know how much fine-tuning I would have done with that team at all. You know, I thought the presence, if anything, of an additional big man uh, in, in the middle to clog some things up and, and distribute the ball, somebody who didn't need to shoot as much, uh, would have been what I would have done at Houston. But really the question for me becomes, Carmelo is, is you know, obviously in the twilight of his career. Is there a fit for Carmelo in the league as somebody that he contributes to? I reached out, I, I told you yesterday, to Kevin Pritchard because I could see him as an Indiana Pacer. If they utilized him in the way that he still plays well, which is his back to the basket, turnaround jumpers from 15 in, he's not a spot-up three-point shooter, which is what Houston tried to do with him. That's not his fault. They misused his, his abilities. Yeah, I don't think he was a really good fit there. And then, and it goes back to your question: Where would he be a good fit at this time? Not a strong defender, you know, high volume shooter, guy who tends to, uh, you know, in his prime was a deadly offensive player. Now, kind of on the downhill side, has a little more trouble creating his shots. Uh, but his style of play tend, you know, at times can clog up your offense. So it's the question is where is kind of the fit for him right now? And uh, uh, and part of it is for him. Where you know where's it? is his fit you know meaning that where is he gonna is he gonna be happy playing 18 minutes a game 20 minutes a game coming off the bench or is he you know expecting to come back and being a you know 38 minute you know 25 shot a game guy uh that scenario i don't know that there is a fit and uh uh, so unless he's willing to really transform his game uh, i think he's gonna have a tough time finding a spot that's meaningful well, yeah, I agree. With, I, you know, when you spend your entire life in a long NBA career being a, a, the the alpha dog, uh, you know the number one guy on every team that you've ever played on, it's hard to kind of you know go to the the role player's mindset. I saw earlier this week Dominique Wilkins, who was a fabulous player in his day. He he, he was talking about Carmelo, and relating it to himself, saying it. You know, when you're a superstar, your entire career. And the mentality that has to go along with being a superstar, it's hard to convert to being a role-playing guy. Um, so I don't, I don't know if Carmelo can do that. Plus, he, he's got to find a team that plays his way now. And today in the NBA, most teams are playing like Houston and Golden State and, and, and Portland, and they spread it out, and they need spot three-point shooters. And not Carmelo Anthony's, you know, clogging up, you know, the inside with their back to the basket well that's well that's why i suggested of the teams there's a couple of factors as far as i'm concerned mike uh that come into play here um there has been multiple players that played in the league for a long time that have both uh suggested maybe it's time for carmelo to go out and, you know but, but had this not happened in houston mm-hmm. had this not happened and, 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 and Carmelo had to do the assessment of, do I want to be? And he came right out and said, I'm not a guy that's going to gonna really uh, be happy with 18 minutes. And, blah. and at this time, I've had a great career. But now that this has happened in Houston, I'll guarantee you more than anything, he does not want to go out as this being his legacy yeah. that he went out there. I, I, I think he doesn't want that. So you do have to, I agree with both of you, find a situation where – but he's going to have to where he fits in. But he's going to have to be willing to obviously be that role player, or he'd have to go to a team that is terrible. In which case, I don't think he wants to go to a team that doesn't have a shot. Which is why I looked at the style of play, and also remember, people forget that the Indiana Pacers took Cleveland to seven and were right in it right until the end. They almost were the team from the East to go to the NBA Finals. Now, of course, the Raptors have have you know really changed their game up there. They're pretty hot. Philly has made some additions. I don't think they know exactly what to do with some of their new guys yet and, and to mold their offense. They are still young. They proved last year that they're not ready. So I don't know if they mature enough this year. They're certainly a threat. 
But, you know, if he was to go to Indiana, does he fit in at Miami? You know, does it, there's a I couple think of spots. Lined up. Well, I, here, here's the thing. It's an interesting story about Dominique Wilkins because I actually played with him at that time. Uh, uh, his comeback was Orlando with the Magic when I was there. And he was, you know, where Carmelo was now, older veteran, hanging on for those last couple of years. And he did have a very hard time uh, kind of fitting in. And, you know, the question is, is really can Carmelo adjust his game? For him to fit in someplace, he has to be able to adjust. Look at a guy like Bill, you know, from my era, you know, Bill Walton at the end of his career, future, uh, or sorry, former MVP, uh, who came in with, as his backup for the Celtics, adjusted his game, played limited minutes, and made a huge difference for them. You know, put them over the top to win a championship. You know, is Carmelo going to be that kind of player to be happy if he doesn't play four games in a row because of a style? You know, they're plays up-tempo teams he doesn't have someone he can guard um you know and as you mentioned in today's three-point world you got to guard somebody and uh you know carmelo's always been get 28 give up you know 20 and you know he's a big factor for you uh but frankly he's been looking for a home for five years mm. you know even new york he, he didn't have a home there really you know it was all that talk about, you know, do we keep him, does he go? Does he, do we keep him, does he go? So I think a lot of uh, Carmelo's future is really dependent on Carmelo. What's he, what role is he willing to take on? Because he's not going to defend, you know, or even score like he did six, seven years ago. Well, the game, as you point out, the game um, is different, uh, and the game is different within Carmelo's career. So when Carmelo first came up, uh, the game was was a little faster, uh, but but it wasn't as three point dependent as it is now, um, and, and isolated, uh, and it was still more physical when Carmelo first came in compared to what it is now. The reason why the Walton thing, when you bring that up, for Bill Walton when he came out, and I believe it was uh, seventy nine or eight or somewhere in there that he won that one championship with Portland. Remember, he came in under the tutelage of John Wooden, where backdoor passing and cutting and boxing out and rebounding. And, you know, I mean, it was real uh, uh, um, team basketball. It wasn't until he went to the Celtics. Why he excelled there was because that was the one team in the league that still really played that Yale kind of offense. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so when he got there, he was so happy to have guys like Bird and McHale who did that one extra touch pass, who did the no-look passes and did stuff. That, that stuff that you watched, you know, in the 70s a lot more, it was kind of a throwback for him. And he was willing to take a smaller role because he really, I think, appreciated the style of play that was there and he fit into that so you're absolutely right Danny is there a place that he fits in with He's kind of a tweener. He's a he does still play a, a bit of a power game, back to the basket, turnaround shooting. There's not a lot of teams that do that. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of teams that do that. And again, the part two of that is he willing to accept the role. You know, Bill Walton was yes, he found the right spot for him, right? But he was willing to play 14 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game if he didn't play two games in a row and score and, eight and, and have three assists, right? You know, what I mean, and you know, come in and and be the difference maker without being the leader star guy and. Uh, uh, you know, and that's and that's really the question. I think you know Carmelo will go where he's able to adjust to. I mean, I think that nobody's going to build a team around him at this point. Nobody's going to uh, you know have a role for him that's more than limited. So, and, so uh, that, and he has to be able to do that. So then, let me ask both of you this: He's available. Is he and his agent waiting for the phone to ring for the team that's going to make an offer, or Houston's going to going to, going to get some type of compensation for? Well, it? he's a minimum contract, so he if he gets waived, 
he <coughs> keeps the 2.4 and he signs another minimum contract. If somebody picks him off waivers, they just pay him the 2.4. Houston's off the hook. Houston's payroll's probably, you know, just take a guess, $100 million plus. Yeah. You know, what's the $2 million? Big deal. Uh, the biggest thing is his agent, I'm sure, is out now brokering a deal, you know, for him to land someplace. And once they come up with that, Houston will decide which way they're going to go. Are they going to waive him and have him picked up? Or, uh, you know, have somebody throw in a second-round pick? Or that's why they haven't just waived him outright. But that's, that's, <clears throat> that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is... Are there teams calling right now because he's Carmelo Anthony still and he's still going to score 15? Or are they sitting there, the phone's not ringing? I think the thing with Carmelo, and you brought up Bill Walton and where he went with the Celtics and how it, that worked. And I was thinking of Carl Malone at the end of his career when he left Utah and he went to the Lakers. They went to winning teams and winning environments that I think it was easier to adjust to a lesser role on a team that was vying for a championship. So I think for Carmelo's to get the best out of him, he needs to go to some place that's got a winning culture right. and a chance to win. But how many teams out there right now that are at that level, that are close to winning, are willing to tinker with a guy who's being scapegoated in Houston? Right. Look well, at look at Iverson. And look, the other flip side of that is look at Iverson. Right. Here's a guy who was ne- never able to find a spot. Right. And he bounced around three or four teams and and uh, you know just couldn't find a role that fit him or that he was willing to accept that could make a difference for anybody. Well, the, the, there's there's a there's a uh, you know as we look at this um, retreaded star power franchise, which is right now the Lakers. Um, is he a possible Laker? I mean, they're not playing great. They love having names, uh, you know. And does he take a you know a, a, a very reduced role and go out there in L.A. and I don't think it's I don't a, think they're close enough yet. And I don't think it's a situation where you want to. It's it could be a PR nightmare if you bring him in and they they tank or they lose again. You're you're no. I don't think that's a good fit for him. Yeah, I think they're still building, and so I think there may be one. You know, a year. Well, they signed him for him. One, but that's I mean they signed yeah. him for one year. No, I get that. I mean he'd be he's right now he took a minimum one year deal, so he's going to get a minimum one year deal. Right. Um, but does he? Is he a good in the locker room guy? And again, that goes back to what role are you going to take? Are you a good in the locker room guy? Lakers have, are clearly needing to develop young players, so they want to get the minutes to them. Um, you know what you're looking at with a team. I'm thinking more of even like uh, they're probably the wrong team, but like even a Golden State, a team that's there who wants to solidify. They have a roster spot. They, they go. Are they going <laughs> to fill a spot with a you know rookie guy or somebody who could come in and play a couple of minutes and make a difference? All right, well, and as you mentioned, have enough star power around him where he feels that he can come in well, and blend. Well, well, let's play the game. What are the two teams you think would would he would naturally fit into then? Who, what two teams if you're picking? I would look at a Philly. Uh, because they've got a lot of young talent where he could come in as a, if he'll take a mentor role, a limited offense role to come in and, and do something like that. Uh, another up-and-coming team, which is probably too up-and-coming, I would think like a Milwaukee, um, but they're kind of too juicy right now. You know, I, 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 you know they just got they got it going on right now, and I don't know that uh, uh, that you know he brings enough to that you know i think that he's maybe a, a step away from that um you know indiana could be an interesting look they've been kind of the forgotten team lately yeah you know where, where they've been quietly getting into the playoffs quietly making noise and nobody's paid attention to them the whole year and toronto's a team like that you know they flamed out in the playoffs um and uh, after leading the leading the conference last year and then you know got swept mm-hmm. you know by a quote bad 
Cleveland team. So, um, so those are those are the ones that come to mind off the top of my head. I think you guys are looking at it the wrong way. I think you got to look at a team that needs fourteen or fifteen points a game. That's just on the verge of making the cut to the playoffs. That's going to end up getting. But then he's going to go fourteen to fifteen points a game. And has to play the entire. Oh, game. You're going to. I'm looking at Brooklyn, a Charlotte, somewhere like that. That needs a guy Brooklyn. is more likely a chance to take a shot at him. Miami. I see. I think Miami. Miami, Brooklyn, Charlotte. Those are my three. Okay, I see where Miami is in the standings in the East. They're just outside the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking Toronto uh, just before Danny said Toronto again for the same reason. Like last year in the playoffs when all of a sudden the threes weren't falling and they couldn't muster offense. Find a guy who can go in and get a high percentage too you know, in the post, and yeah. you're willing to do that. You know, again, going old school, can he, uh, Vinny Johnson, you you know, come in as the microwave? The microwave. And uh, heat it up, right? And But, again, can he come in and play nine minutes a half, Get you know, where he comes in and they you know, get him ten shots in nine minutes and – and, uh, world B, Anthony? World B. <laughs> He's got too much arc on his shot to be Vinny Johnson. So. Mellow B free. <laughs> Mellow B free. With quarterback Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson both not practicing on Thursday, Robert Griffin III may start for the I love it. Baltimore Ravens. I love it. I, I the want Bengals the controversy, too. I want RG3 to throw for five. <laughs> I think it would be great. Yeah, and I, I love the stories about Joe Flacco coming out, how he's tried to torpedo every backup quarterback <laughs> he's played with yeah. for the last five years. You know, where uh, uh, yeah, he's that bad cheerleader at the cafeteria table. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's terrible. <laughs> yeah, she's. But I, I, I'll tell you, RG three is a guy I've been rooting for to Me too. find I'm... a spot. You know, get a, I get an opportunity, light it up, and. Uh, so if he does end up starting, I'm I'm rooting for him. Me too. I'm a Redskins fan, and you know RG3's pregnant year. Oh, I know, but it's grew up outside of DC, so I can't help it. Um, you know his 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 rookie year was fantastic, but then the team played him when he was obviously injured at the end of that one season, and right. he never should have been on the field. And I think that ruined him. You just uh, watched his knee collapse, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So that's a guy you really root for to get Absolutely. a comeback, find a spot, and come out and just light it up and have everybody go, "Damn!" It was know? so much fun. That, I don't, that's, you know. that's like we're saying about <clears throat> about Carmelo. You know. There are times, and Danny, I'm, I'm sure, is going to attest to this, having it, you know, it's rare that you sit with somebody in any pro sport that can say they played 18 seasons. <laughs> so with that said, there are things that limit you physically and athletically that you need to adjust to throughout your career. And so when you start, your skills in some ways are diminished. Your know-how, your knowledge has to be able to take over and make up for that to some level, correct? Well, I was a guy, my style of play was such that if I lost half a step, it wasn't, you know, fatal. (laughs) Right? But you look at, what are you laughing about? Well, this is the point where you say, when did you ever have the half a step in the first place? Or, or another, another half a step? Are there any half a steps? It's barely you'll, noticeable. You'll be going backwards pretty soon. But it's All barely right, noticeable. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Nobody noticed. And, uh, uh, you know, the reason I was so good inside is because Akeem found it hard to jump with me standing on his feet. I mean, it's just, just the way it works. But you look at the guys, you know, we talked about Dominique Iverson, yeah. uh, Carmelo in a sense. They lose half a step, and now they can't guard anybody, right? Mm-hmm. They don't get off the floor like they used to, can't get their shot over people like they used to, can't get to the rim like they used to. And that really makes a big difference in their game, and they have to adjust. 
um, you know, you look at Kobe at the end as he got older, and Jordan the same way. They went from drivers to you know to that fadeaway step back yeah. kind of game. And uh, Dominique could never really get that. He al- always was going to the rim, and as he got older and slower, it, it was tough. Iverson was the same way; just couldn't couldn't get a shot off his and his career low field goal percentage just went career lower. And uh, <laughs> and that's what Carmelo's been facing, right? Can he adjust his game where he can you know come off the off the bench two minutes to go in the first quarter, play an eight minute stretch, and you know well, be ready to go? You know, be that microwave player, and that's. You know, and, and that's the big thing for him is, is can he make that adjustment? Well, you know, and there's something, too, about uh, yeah, I, I listened to a, a friend of mine doing some analysis about Carmelo recently. And he said, you know, when you put Carmelo in the game it, because of his style that he excels at, it slows the game down some. Mm-hmm. So having him in the game as much as he is a, uh, um, a, a bad player t- defensively, you know, um, he does slow a Golden State team down when he's dribbling, backing in. And, you know, those guys want to be running, 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 moving, 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 moving. And when you get Carmelo in, it slows the tempo down. But what I was going to, when I was. Well, and let, me, let me take that ahead, one point, then please. jump back in. That's why I keep going back to the, the Vinny Johnson. That's why he jumps into my head. Because when Vinny came in, the game was Vinny Johnson. He came in for that stretch of time, and everything went to him for that right. six, eight minutes. And he was the offense. And then he came out, right? And that's why you know, he's the microwave. He, had, he came out hot right away. And for Carmelo, you know, what you're talking about is a team that's not deep, that maybe has a shot blocker behind him. That's why Philly came to mind early, um, you know, where he can come in and say, for that six, eight-minute stretch, he's the guy. And then he gets his, you know, gets his game off. Then you know, they pull him, and they you know, give their, their guys a rest and a rotation, and they, they go back to what they're going to. And that's, that's the kind of role that I see as a possibility for him. Well, you know, when I talk about the guys that have to make those types of adjustments, it goes far beyond, uh, remember the initial subject was RG3. Mm-hmm. And, and who comes to mind for me first, because he was a very good friend of mine uh, for many years, is Joe Namath. And Joe sat there one day saying to me, you know, people don't remember because they don't have clips. They didn't watch me play, and it wasn't as televised when I played in Alabama. He goes, I was an option quarterback. He was a runner. Bryant. He was he a goes, runner in he college. Goes, he goes, I'd come down, but he goes, and believe me, I took that bad boy in, and I ran a lot. Yeah. And, and they could not stop us. And he go, and if they did attack me, the defensive end, I flipped it out there, and, the, and we took off. He said, I was a running quarterback. He said, I could throw, too, but it wasn't until – a couple of years into college where I started getting banged up really, really badly that I had to start to change my game and become more. And then in the pros, of course, I was, I was known as a guy who had a quick drop back with a quick release and I was more deadly throwing the ball. He said, and that also is Maynard and Sauer and some of the guys that I had that were really good receivers. He goes, but that was not my game when I was in college. I, I had to adjust to that. Yeah, and it was a big and, adjustment. And for 10 me. knee surgeries will do that to you. Right. I mean, especially exactly. back in that era where it was pretty much caveman yeah. surgery. And, right. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, he went from a runner to a passer pretty quick. And apparently Scrabble is not somebody's game in the Syracuse <laughs> Athletic Department. Uh, last night, the Jersey of Jim Beheim's son, Buddy Beheim, who was misspelled in their game against UConn. You know, people are laughing about this, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I, 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 I cannot believe this. I cannot believe wearing his dad's number, playing the first time in the garden, and you misspell the name. Of Did the they jersey? not look before they left the hotel? That's the, the strangest thing. I, I, I Can't mean, you just give him his number without that's, his name that's, on the back? That's checks and balances. That's checks and balances. How about you don't know how to spell Beheim? But you don't know how to, you're on the staff and you don't know how to spell Bayheim. 
But really? it goes to Nike, right? It goes to I Nike and then comes well, back. Well, you got to yeah, you got to track it down to see was it the typesetter guy with the yeah, things in yeah, the press who put the yeah. You know. But you got to look before he gets to when the court. When you sent the names of your players to Nike, was that list correct? Was the home right. jersey spelled right and the away jersey spelled wrong? It, the home the home jersey was correct because he played in the home jersey through both yeah. exhibitions and the two regular season games. Uh, so we we checked. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, as soon as we saw the air, we had somebody back in the home office checking our photos from the first two. No, and I'm sure somebody would have noticed after four games. Yeah, you would yeah. think. Uh, but I, I noticed last night because he took the ball out of bounds right in front of me on the end line. And I have friends on either side of me. I was like, oh, my God. And they're like, what? Look at the jersey. And they both saw it, too. And it was Boheim. Um, <laughs> you know, without the first. It was now. Was Jim mad at that? Of course, he's mad, right? Everybody should be mad, right? That's what I'm thinking. We didn't ask him about it after the game because after the way the game developed yeah. and it was a loss, I mean, we, we knew it was not the right time. Right, right, right. I mean, there's had a, they blown Connecticut out by twenty, and maybe everybody was in a slightly jovial m- mood, uh, we could have asked that question. But uh, maybe today, I mean, yeah. there was a level of mad things to be mad about last night. <laughs> yeah. well, but I'm sure through. he was mad. That the, the, oh, God, he had to be mad at that. Uh, was that the last so what? Yeah. Great. And why, I, don't and go, it, why don't we go to break? Well, frankly, uh, just to break. complete, go I ahead. put this, I'm really in this whole so, this is a so what. We so talk what? about it, ha, 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 but it's a so what. Go is ahead. it, though? Yes, it is. You're trying to win a ball game. Is it? It's a typo. The coach of, is it the jinx that crosses the, the game? Is it, it the coach of a thousand years Name. Yeah, and it's still his name is on the court. Luckily, they spelled it right. It's still a typo. How dare you, Coleman? And it's still a typo. <laughs> well, although one time, one time in Shark Tank, or I mean, on The Apprentice, they were doing a thing, and Melania was in it. They they produced something with her name on it. They spelled her name wrong. Guy got fired. Listen, I worked for him, Trump, when he was doing the Miss USA pageant. And my mother turned around and said to me, you're going to judge the Miss USA page. I said, Mom, I'm not judging the Miss I USA I thought you gave the pre, pre-physicals, the, the, the pre-pageant. I, I, I could have been the doctor. So my mother tells me that Trump is donating a quarter of a million dollars to the Breast Cancer Fund, and you are going. And so I end up going to this thing. Miss Missouri wins. I think I've told the story before. Miss Missouri wins the, the, the uh, evening gown. She wins the swimsuit. She wins the, she's a concert cellist from parents and a sister that are like in the, in the Philadelphia Philharmonic or some nonsense. Uh, overachiever wins the speech. And so Bill Shatner is uh, hosting and, uh, they, Bill Shatner comes out and goes, well, we're down to the final four. And we have a wild card event now, new to the competition. Our seven judges, and they put the light on me, Queen Latifah, uh, um, uh, Mar- Mar- Martha Stewart, who was a monster. She kept leaning over to me going, this girl sucks. <laughs> she was like Miss USA, so she, or Miss America. So she's, you know, everything they did was terrible. It didn't matter. She wouldn't give more than a six. She was awful. And uh, uh, so now they bring they bring the four finals out, Texas, New York, Missouri, who's leading. An insurmountable lead, provided the following doesn't happen. So they say uh, there is a, a question in front of each of the judges. You will reach into the hat and pull out the name of one of our seven judges, and they will open the envelope and ask you a wild card question. Miss Missouri, you have the lead. Please select. Of course, she reaches in and pulls out my name. Spotlight on her, spotlight on me, live national TV. I open up the envelope and I say, Miss Missouri, good luck. Miss Missouri, name any female athlete and tell us why you admire her. The second I said admire her, she kind of looks a little blank, and she goes, um, 
And I go, oh, my God, please, honey, don't do this. And she goes, I'm, I'm a concert cellist. I didn't really play sports when I was in high school or in college. And, and, and I'm going, say your gym teacher. Say, I'm saying to myself, yeah. right? So finally, you see, she's starting to babble a little more, and she's getting very nervous. And, uh, and so she goes, can, can you elaborate on the question? Now, when you do a show, of, uh, a game show, and this is considered a contest show, they have two people always from standards and practice. These two little guys, Paulie the Mole in a, in a 1980s, you know, skinny tie suit. And I look over at them, and both their heads simultaneously are waving, no, you can't say anything. So I turn, I look over at Trump on the other wing, and he puts his hands up like, I don't know what to tell you. I look at Shatner, he gives me the double bird. <laughs> I've known Bill for years. He goes, ah, and he gives me the double bird laughing at me because he knows I'm stuck yeah. on live TV. <laughs> so I turn around, and I look back at her, and I see she's almost crying already. And I go, Miss Missouri, I don't believe in fairness to the other contestants that I can elaborate on the question. But there is something, though, I can do. And I open the page again. And I said, and I literally said it this loud. Miss Missouri, name any female athlete and tell us why you admire her. Shatner walks out, touches her on the arm and goes, your time starts now. And she stood there for 45 seconds. Within 10, she started crying. And never said a word. Now, the lowest we were allowed to give her was a five to make the scores look good. So you can go from five to ten. Everyone gave her a five because she said nothing. Texas comes out in second place and kills it. Well, you know, my my, my mother was an Olympic athlete, and my, I, my, 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 and we would pray together. You know, and so we give her, you know, nine, ten, nine, ten. She wins by one point. She oh caught Missouri, and I remember, I'll never forget this why this is related to what we said i get on the the private jet trump's plane and we're flying back to new york and we're flying back and i go i feel terrible for this girl you know this is joan benet stuff they've been doing this since they were little yeah. this was the moment this was fourth and two four seconds left in the super bowl and you're the back they're giving the ball to he goes the hell with her the hell with that girl he goes are you kidding me he goes, if I take her with me to some big Jap Japanese diplomat thing and they ask her a question that simple and she chokes for 45 seconds and can't answer it, he goes, she doesn't deserve to be there. He goes, she could have said Michael Jordan. And we would have turned around and we would have said, we'll give her a five, six, seven, eight, you know, something. She could have said her gym team. And I went, he's right. He's right. She choked. And if you choke when you're in that kind of a light, you shouldn't be there. So spell your words right, kids. Yeah. Uh, that's, an awesome, that's an awesome story. It's I so good. I, I forgot the question. <laughs> what, what, what were we talking about? We're misspelling words. I, I also just checked. We got to really take a break. We're late. Um, but if you spell Beheim wrong on Microsoft Word, it underlines it red. And if you spell it correct, it shows up correctly. So it's, so so it's, it's in the dictionary. It's in the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a break. Let's go to break. We'll be right back. Live from New York City, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show with special guest Danny Shays. Brought to you by Driver's Village, Installations Unlimited Black Friday Sale, GNC Foods Now Hiring, and Pathfinder Bank. <laughs> hey now, and how dare they do that promo? <laughs> of course, you are a very, very, very special guest. special guest. But, but Mike Waters is on too, and there's no... Good. And ladies and gentlemen, also joining us I had to change my on name the to big Dan show, to be on today. Mike Waters. <laughs> Waters, 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 Waters. Yeah. Well, so, we're so going to have to call him Dan Waters because you're not allowed to be on the show. Apparently, yeah, right. yes. Daniel, Daniel, Levitard. Uh, oh, my God, Levitard, Paul, too. Polly Pavilion. What's and, going on? Is Dan we, taking over the world. We're Dan fans. 
I got, okay. I got the teaser. So in the teaser, I alluded to, oh, my brother's calling now. Take that call. Um, so I alluded to not understanding and what I called the squiggy, the squiggy, the squiggy factor. Okay, let me tell you what the squiggy factor is first. Okay, here's what I don't get. And my knowledge of, of, of college basketball and the zone and all this other stuff pales compared to yours. But I can tell you from somebody who has played against NBA players and so on and so forth, you, here's, here's the squiggy story. You walk out on the court and you're guarding a guy that you know is, is a prolific three-point threat. Okay, you, when you when you send the microwave out, and you you know why he's coming out, you know what he's going to do. So here's Squiggy. Squiggy's the guy I'm guarding, and Squiggy comes down the court in the first couple of possessions, and he sticks a nice deep three pointer, and then three minutes later, Squiggy comes down and he sticks another three pointer. By the time Squiggy's hit his third three pointer, two guys on my team are going to come over and smack me in the butt and go, "Hey man, get out there and get a hand up on him. He's hot." So. When I look at the breakdown, which I showed both of you guys of the chart of where UConn hit, they predominantly hit, they hit nine or ten three-pointers within nine feet of each other. Okay, they only hit three on the other side of the court. At some point, even with this zone, when you're tweaking the zone, do you not address the fact that they're torching us from the left side within eight feet of each other? They hit ten, ten three-pointers from there. And, and I watched it as they came down. I'm going, and I'm in my seat standing up going... Get a hand up on him! You know, I'm screaming out there because it was so apparent they were going to launch one, and they just did it over and over and over again. Yeah, and I love sports fans, by the way, who are sitting 10 rows up in the stands, and they actually think the guy over there is, oh, oh, you're right, the guy's open. Uh, you think he can hear you, Daniel? Weir? I don't. I don't think he can hear me. I don't think he can hear me. I, well, I, I, let, I, I was, I was so, voicing my frustration so I didn't have a heart attack. And I like the guy in the upper deck of the football, football game going, he's open, he's open. Like, Dude. John Elway's being chased by 1,200 pounds of linemen. He's not, he's not hearing a thing you're saying. Okay, I went a little time zone on you. Um, yeah, let's talk about the game last night. So we can analyze the numbers, right? And you picked out a great uh, trend, right? That's what you look at. How is that, you know, where's the rotation happening? We make an adjustment. Let's start bottom line, UConn out-hustled us. Mm-hmm. You know, they were a half-step quicker. They were moving the ball more, uh, more sharply on offense which you know, got them those open shots. And our defense, I thought, you know, throughout the game was just a half-step sluggish. And, um, you know, and so they were getting looks. You're talking about getting pressure on a guy. At that point, you got to, what we used to call, you got to chase the guy off the spot, right? You can't let him catch and shoot in rhythm. You got to make him put it down and do something different. But we just didn't have that extra spark. They were a half a step more aggressive than us throughout the game. And you see in the stats, you know, a team that's big and physical as we are, with you know, getting out rebounded by about fifteen or thirteen, whatever it was. Well, that's a big factor. We right, got we, we crushed we, on the. We points. got out rebounded. We got out assisted. Uh, we got out stealed. I think we got two to one blocked. Eight to four, mm-hmm. I think, was in the blocks. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the hustle. You know what they call the hustle stats. We got out. We got out hustled. Uh, some of the results of that, they shot great from three, because they had you know a lot of good looks. And you know, hey, give them credit. What happens? You get momentum. Now they're drilling them from six feet behind the line because they're feeling it. Right, we never got enough momentum, where we were feeling it. At the end of the day, we lose by two possessions. So you look at the quality of the team. You know, our offense wasn't really you know clicking. We talked about you know the importance of Frank Howard to this team. You know, to get the ball moving, get the offense moving. Uh, didn't move the ball great. Didn't have great shot selection. So you're not going to shoot great percentage, right? A lot of that's energy. Uh, where them on the other end, you saw that ball would swing side to side without touching the ground, right? They didn't have that. 
that extra pass, the or sorry, the extra dribble that allows the defense to recover, and they were they just moved it quicker. So that you know they, they outworked us number one, and at the end of the day, it's a two possession game. So you know again, I'm a silver lining guy. I think this team has a lot of upside. Their defense is going to what's going to drive them to you know to be a great team, and their offense is just going to have to get better over time. Regarding the Connecticut's three point shooting. Two things, I think, factored in. One, you look at the Connecticut team that took the floor. They're a three-guard offense. Uh, they, you know, the Christian Vital, uh, the, the other kid, uh, Jalen Adams, uh, and then the, the Altree Gilbert. You had three guards. A lot of times that can be a problem, but against Syracuse, that they were all passing the ball. You mentioned that the ball never touched the floor on the passes. They were swinging it, it was from side to side, and they were making that zone work and the zone wasn't working hard enough. The other thing, too, is their plan of attack, they penetrated as well. They, and that is a cardinal sin when you're in the zone. You cannot allow penetration because once someone can break down through your t- top two guards, now people are collapsing in and both wings are open, and they were driving and kicking. If you look at the stats, 22 assists on 28 made shots. That is an incredibly high number. These weren't three-pointers like James Harden, right. where he dribbles, 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 and takes a step back and launches one, and there's no assist. They were setting guys up for open threes. Well, you know, I'm an old-school guy, you know, and, and I, I rue the day where we don't have any centers anymore because I still think that inside-out is a very effective way to play. And Dan Hurley actually made a great point. He said the reason we were effective is because, we were able, as you mentioned, we were able to drive and make the pass inside-out. Mm-hmm. Now our three-pointers... Our, our shooters are toe in the line, squared up to the rim already, versus that side-to-side pass where they have to catch, and it's a slower release because then they have to catch, square up, allow the, the defense to recover. And I thought he made it, you know, it was a really interesting point because, as I've always talked, I think the angle, an inside-out angle for a three-point shot, is a much easier shot than a side-catch, square-up angle. And, uh, uh, you know, and UConn did that, I, I thought, very, very well last night, as you mentioned. They didn't go into the center and out. They got... You know, it penetrates, the, guards got, the guards got penetration and out, but still the passes came inside out, not necessarily just swing perimeter. Yep. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going to go to break uh, because we went so long last segment. We're going to come back. We're going to keep talking about this because there was one thing I'm going to throw out there for us to talk about. Watching UConn play was the closest, their center play, was the closest I've seen to Big East basketball against Syracuse in a while. I mean, that kid was physical in there. They out-rebounded us, you know, by 14. But he doesn't play. That's a weird thing. He doesn't play like that. That that was a first for him. That that and the fact that you would think, and I saw there was a lot of orange out there, but those Connecticut fans were way louder than us, too, in the Garden yesterday. They were were hot. Yeah, top to bottom, they they played with much more. Fans out hustled us, too. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go to break. We'll be right back. Live from New York City, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show with special guest Danny Shays. Brought to you by Driver's Village, Installations Unlimited Black Friday Sale, GNC Foods Now Hiring, and Pathfinder Bank. Hey, now, we're back, and we're still talking about Syracuse basketball. You know something that you said, Danny, um, that I um, that I agree on. You know, and and, and not, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to create a silver lining, but for some teams um, to lose a game like this, um, it can push them into a good place. And and I wonder. Um, whether or not this is going to be a bit of a wake-up call for them, you know, because they were supposed to beat UConn for sure. They were a ten-point favorite, you know. There, and we we had been talking about how their offense just has not come together yet. It's, uh, you know, historically, 
Uh, Coach Beheim started the season with with depth. You know, he's played eight or nine, and then uh, sometimes the team will struggle. He'll, he'll narrow that down, and before you know it, he's you know got you know six six and a half man rotation. And uh, on the offensive end, it's really finding combinations that work. Uh, you know, which guys are playing well together. Not having Frank Howard, who's ran the offense virtually every minute of the season last year. Uh, you know, as an adjustment, and obviously, uh, Kerry did a nice job scoring last night. Uh, uh, and you know, he's you knew working the working the defense. So you know, you had a little give and take there. But um, you know, again, uh, the offense is going to come around. We they definitely have upgraded from last year as far as you know, shoot. They've got better shooters. Now it's a matter of knowing where guys are, getting that just real natural swing of the ball. Guys stepping into the right spots. Uh, you know, uh, O'Shea's played great. I love the way Elijah Hughes goes. Uh, Hughes goes to the rim. You know, aggressive shooting the ball well on top of it. Um, you know, I don't like. Uh, uh, Tyus Battle handling the ball too much because I want him in the scoring position, not in the playmaker <coughs> position. But that's just a matter of getting Frank Howard back and and, and Washington uh, uh, back and seeing how he's going to play, and uh, and then Tyus will get back to his natural position. So, you know, the offense is something that uh, you know always takes care of itself. This team is going to be great as does a defensive it team. It does. It does. This they, is the same team as <laughs> I saw a lot of what we saw last year, and the offense never took care of itself last year. Well, there wasn't any place to go last year. There were no weapons last year. Well, and there, li- and there lies the real, the real thing that I analyze, which is if you think we're going to have the type of year that we have thought we might, and we're going to give up 86 points to the Yukons, we're not. Because uh, right. that would be 110 points against Duke. And that's not going to happen. Uh, they yeah. gave up more points last night than they did in any game but one last year. They gave up 85 points to, to Boston College last year. That's the only game last year where they gave up more. The defense will be fine. If, and if they had played normal defense, but they didn't. They weren't ready to play. Right. Connecticut was. And they punched him in the mouth right at the beginning. And so I hope that's the biggest lesson that the Syracuse players take out of last night is teams are going to be ready for you this year because not only have you read your clippings and you're all fat and happy, but your opponents have read your clippings. And they want to take down a ranked team at the Garden, and especially for Connecticut, they want to take down Syracuse. You know, there was a spot in the second half about 10 minutes ago where I looked out on the court and every SU player you know, was holding the short. It was, a t- it was a foul shot. Every guy was holding the short, breathing heavy. And, uh, you know, they, it, like I said, they just weren't in, weren't in sync, weren't popping defensively. You know, UConn just came out with great energy. And as you mentioned, this is a huge win for them, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and Syracuse is now going to have a target. They're not going to be the underdog game after game like they were last year fighting their way through. They're going to be the they're going to be the team with the target on their back, and they got to get used to, you know, taking every team's best shot. So where's the fault of that lie? Both of you turn around and say, you know, they're not going to give up these points. They didn't seem ready. But is there a fault to look at in that or? You know, it's early. It's it's always tough this early in the season. They played a couple of cream puff games, which all which I've never really been a fan of because it, you know, you work on stuff, but it always gives you a false sense of security. You know, you think you're that good, then you play against a team with great effort, and you're you know not really ready for it. So you think it's better to do a Kentucky thing, go play Duke right away. If I'm gonna, you know, I'd rather play tough games early and really set the table. That uh, you know we have to go out and we're on that level and find out early. Are you on that level? Who makes that decision um, over who they're playing? Well, we had uh, Wild Hack here yesterday. It's, That's uh, John sets those? It, you know, I, 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 I think it's Syracuse. I think there's a guy who makes those yeah, decisions I, who's been here a lot longer than Wild Hack. It's not like Connecticut had come off playing Duke and Kentucky and, and, and was more ready for this. Connecticut had played uh, Moorhead State and Missouri-Kansas City. And, and the other they thing, were ready to play because Dan Hurley wanted them to be ready. 
it, I think that last night's game was more important to Dan Hurley in Connecticut than it was to Syracuse at this point in the season. Syracuse also yeah. doesn't pick those first two games that they play. This was the tournament. Yeah, the yeah, tournament yeah. gives you those. So yeah. th- that wasn't anybody's fault. Well, you know, and, 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 and not for nothing, but Iowa State comes out and plays almost the same game and gets a quick 10-point lead and maintains it the entire time oh. and upsets Oregon. Right. And Oregon was big and physical, and uh, they just never got on track uh, offensively. Right. So I'm looking forward to that game tonight. It's the first time I saw Bowl Bowl live. Obviously, I'm excited about played it. against his dad, Minute, uh, for, for you know, a lot of years. And uh, he really impressed me last night. He runs the floor. He's actually more physical than I thought he was going to be. He's got to get his conditioning up a lot better because he you know, tends to pace himself. Uh, but he's got a really, you know, shoots the ball. He's got a really interesting skill set, very, very different than you're used to seeing. Dan, I got a question for you. As a former player, last night, um, Connecticut is at the Garden, and they're warming up at about uh, an hour and 15 minutes before tip-off. They're out there, and that's normal for most teams. And Syracuse isn't there yet. The Syracuse players don't get on the floor until about 10 after 6. For, I don't think that was by choice. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, because the, the Syracuse team bus coming from the hotel on a trip that normally takes about 20 minutes, normally, took them about an hour and 10 last night. So they're stuck on the bus, and so they're on the bus for a long, long time, which has got to be aggravating, and you arrive almost a half an hour past normal. Did that, could that have had any effect on the place? No one likes to make excuses, but it did happen. Yeah, and all these things play into it, uh, you know, and... Certain players are different. A lot of guys need to get there early. They need to get, you know, shoot in the arena. You know, guys hadn't shot in the arena, a lot of the young guys. And, uh, you know, get mentally ready to play the game. A lot of guys really struggle if they get there you know, too late and they have to run out there and play. And uh, uh, so that, that certainly could have had a factor. You know, you get into a routine. You want to get there and get your, you know, get your warm-up routine going. So, yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, there's certainly been times, you know, over an NBA career, you know, where bad weather, you get snowed in, your flight gets there late, you come strolling in right before game time, and you're mm-hmm. trying to make something happen. You know, it's a way different experience than, uh, you know, when you're, like I said, you're in that normal routine. Yeah, I just wondered if maybe some of their focus and some of their legs were left on that bus. All right, let's get our uh, another break out of the way here as we're running a little bit late. We'll be right back with more of the Daniel Baldwin Show. Live from New York City, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show with special guest Danny Shades. Brought to you by Driver's Village, Installations Unlimited Black Friday Sale, GNC Foods Now Hiring, and Pathfinder Bank. Hey now, we're back. Big stuff going on in the big city, bro. Yeah, man, listen, it's fast and furious here in New York City. Let me give you an update as uh, as I get live updates from my brother Alec, who is... Uh, on his way in to do the uh, the show with us, Celebrity Prognostic. Do you want me to go hold a spot for him? <laughs> yeah, the Dan Levitard show. So Alec turns around and says, hey, man, have Mole come outside and make sure I know where I'm going. By. So I, well, he's doing a show. I'll you know, go out and meet my brother. You're going to go out and meet your brother? Yeah, I'd love to meet He's going to walk right by. He's going to hand you the keys to his you car. You think he'll go, recognize yeah, me? Yeah, keep it right up front. You want to put five bucks on whether he recognizes me when he's I'm gonna, standing out there? Yeah, well, you're going to be like a little puppy going, eh. Mike, Mike, no, Mike can you run the board for a few minutes so Paulie can go <laughs> Yeah, you want me running the board. That's going to work Just leave us on lied the whole time yeah you're fine so so i've texted lorenzo over at are they on you with us yet or we've connected yet we're we've all connected. good so they're hearing us so I've, I've i've texted lorenzo saying well alec might actually be like three minutes late what, what's the story i'm not getting anything back from them no one communicates as quickly as i do i'm on it i can talk on the show and text while we're going and i wouldn't blah, blah. go that far wow you can text man. on the show you can't concentrate on what's going on around you while you're texting yeah, the but show. I, can, I can fill it i talk to you when we're oh you the are show, the king I? of bs yeah there you go i can fill it you are the king of bs um, <laughs> so i want to ask you guys something after 
this has been the most sportsy Daniel Baldwin show ever, by the way. Um, <laughs> I blame myself. Uh, what the <laughs> hell makes you two think that the offense is going to work itself out? A, your starting point guard isn't playing. He yeah, was here, that that starting point guard was here last year, and the offense was not good. And Elijah Hughes is the difference. I think okay. Elijah Hughes is a I'm guy that you didn't have. I'm not as sold as you guys are. Besides, besides the jersey, even my wife noticed this. She said, you know, I really watched Beheim when he was on the court. He wasn't on very much, but he looked very nervous. He looked very nervous in the game. And, and, and when she said that, I looked at him, he, he, you know, it wasn't like I got you know, the guard and I get it and UConn and we're down. And blah, but he looked a little nervous. Is that just freshman stuff? Or? No, it was the jersey. It was the jersey? <laughs> yeah, it had to be. Right? What other explanation? Look, the guy's played his third game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're right. In the garden, you know, freshman still finding his way around. You'll get in the rhythm. And uh, that's another thing that will work itself out. You well, know. I mean, he, it did work itself out. We've learned that he's a scorer. After the first 10 minutes when he turned the ball over a bunch, he settled down, but he's got to be. Uh, this I'm not a coach or anything. Mm-hmm. From what I saw, he's got to be off the ball too. He's, <laughs> he's a scorer, you know. Right. You know, I, I don't think it's his game to be looking. Yeah, to, isn't he? To, isn't, to isn't, he isn't he a hard gun? He comes in. And he and he at this stage of the career, and he's put come in. He's microwave. You bring him in. You let him shoot three threes, and and hopefully he drains two of them. Well, he's okay. the guy you put into a spot that that has to keep the defense honest, right? He's the guy that makes the defense spread, right? You got to stay with him. Last year they didn't have that guy, right? So when Tyus is trying to go to the rim, O'Shea's going to the rim. You have an extra guy. Uh, you know, Pascal was the same way. They didn't have a. A center who could even like be a catch and dunk threat. You know, Pascal got some lobs. That, you know, they kind of developed that, but he's getting to be at least where you got to guard him. And uh, you know, and then they went small with with Merrick in there at, at the five, and so you got people you got to guard. So that opens up driving lanes. You know, as you mentioned, you know, Elijah Hughes being a big difference this year. You know, he had so much. Uh, you know, that power drive to the rim, shooting the ball so well. And now teams have to defend, and that's the biggest thing that clogged us up last year is we only had to guard two guys. I still, you know, I've played in games before where you look at a guy and he just, you just know he's not going to shoot a lot. You just know that. He's just not that guy. And when you look at Merrick, he has a great basketball IQ. Uh, He can disperse the ball. He can do. But I never see him, except for maybe one game last year, where I thought he was. You can kind of play soft on him and clog the lane. I wish that they would go in practice and tell Dolzhai to shoot the ball every single time he got the ball. Every time you get it, you you have to shoot it. That's the rule. I think he's making progression. If you look at him this he year is. compared to last year, last year he wouldn't even look at the rim. This year he's putting a shot up every once in a while, and he had three assists last night. Well, the bottom when line the ball is, does go to him. It's not like it just stays there and happens. nothing exactly. Something good happens. And the difference this year is that you can't leave him alone. Last year, you could have him go stand in the corner and you know, they'd never throw it to him. <laughs> the, you know, and, and as he got better throughout the year and then to carrying over this year, again, you just have to guard him. He's not a guy you're going to go to for you know, 10 extra shots a game. You're not going to bring him in and run isolations. But you've got to guard the guy. If you just ignore him completely, he's going to find a seam. He's going to... You know, get something going to the rim, an offensive rebound, run the court. And that's what they need for their power scorers to have more opportunities with better looks, better drives. You have to have guys on the court who the other, you know, the other team just at least has to guard. Everything else we've talked about with piecing last night's game and taking it apart and analyzing it, if O'Shea Brissett has just a normal game, Syracuse wins a close one. Right. He was horrible. Got to interrupt you guys. We've got to take a hard out here. We've got big-time things happening on this radio show. Big. 
Big time. So we'll come back. We'll take this break here. We'll come back. We'll be on with the Levitard Show. Hopefully Alec will be here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not looking at this. Live from New York City, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show with special guest Danny Hayes. Brought to you by Driver's Village, Installations Unlimited Black Friday Sale, GNC Foods Now Hiring, and Pathfinder Bank. Hey now. And we're back with the big show. We're waiting on my brother to show up. Uh, are we live with Levitard yet? Where's, it, where's Levitard? I don't know. They're going to pot us up when we're ready to go with them. Okay. So. Oh, they're going to pot us up when Alec, when Alec gets here? When No. When when, when we go on the when show? They, Who knows what's going to happen? So when, exciting. When they're on back from their break in their sports center, Josh will pot it up in our ear. There we go. Here you go. There. So explain yourself, Daniel Baldwin, please, because I was told that this might come mercifully to an end today if Alec Baldwin lost, but where is Alec? Alec is in an Uber blocks away. We have Paulie the Mole, our producer, leaving his position to go outside and escort him I'm going to hold a spot for him. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Paulie goes, Paulie goes, I'm going to go out there and hold a parking spot for him. Oi! <laughs> Oi! Are you, are you want, there with the, We don't uh, want it, another incident at a parking spot. No, 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 no. Please, let's not go there. Let's not go there at all. Um, oh, I thought that's where uh, you were going. Is no, Greg on with you? you were going. No, no, my yes, fault. I no, I, I, I did. I did. There's I did. one rule. That's very clearly where they were going, but they're allowed to. You're not there. Okay, fair enough. Daniel, where? What's no, no, going no, no, on? no, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. We're allowed to go there. He's not on yet. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. He's okay, not on don't yet. Bring it up, don't, don't bring it up when he gets on. All right, very good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, let's not, let's not get him. He's already, he's already bitching at me. Okay. Yeah. So, Are uh, you on, Danny? No. So, you know, we're here. We're here. Can you put Danny on? Danny, Danny Shays is here with us. Big Dan. Dan Levitard. Danny Shays? What? what? Danny Shays. I don't want is... Danny Shays. I want Alec Baldwin. Like, why is Danny well, we Shays got, we, here? We, 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 because our show uh, the last two days has been covering Syracuse basketball, which we were terrible last night against UConn. So Danny has been joining the show, co-hosting with me the what last What kind of uh, bait and switch and is this? Alec Baldwin for not, Danny Shays. What kind of not, bait and switch is this from you? It's not a, it's not, it's not a bait and switch. He's, jo- he's just joining the show. Alec is still coming on. You're going to have, you're going to have an aneurysm. You're going to have an aneurysm. You need to calm down. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to bring it up. Is Greg on with you? The, the former yes, am, Denver Nugget, Danny Shays, is with you. The former Denver Nugget. The former Miami Heat. Dude, come on. Go into the, your... The, uh, the former, like, eight Check teams. out the stats. Um, seven. Don't exag- <laughs> I hate it when you exaggerate. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't do that. So Greg's on. Where's Stu Gotts? Stu Gotts isn't on the show? Uh, He's taking acting lessons. Stu Gotts is away hey. from here today. Greg Cody is playing his role today. Greg, Greg Cody, can I ask you a question? Are we really Absolutely. making a mistake here? Should, should, should we make your character the bigger character and have you kill Stugatz? Are your skills better than his in the acting world? Yeah. No, no, they are. You know, I'm, I'm credentialed. As you know, I, uh, I have appeared uh, as an as a, as a extra in a movie, uh, right. in a major I'm, picture I'm release. making an executive decision here. We will check in, when, uh, we'll check in with you again when Alec is there, okay? I'm pulling out right now because I don't want to talk to Danny Shays. No offense. 
uh, and I will Sydney come back Pollock when Alec is there. Thank you. Well, Who could be offended ahead, uh, by that, really? Okay. So okay. you want us to call <laughs> you back anyway. when Alec walks in? Is, is that it? Holler down I, the line. I, I mean, but are, are we just going to sit around staring at each other until then? Now I have questions no, for Danny I mean, Shea. I, 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 okay, go ahead. Ask Danny Shea some questions. There you what go. What's it like in the Miami What's arena? Up? How many? I heard there were so many rats there. Scott Mellenby, the former Florida <laughs> Panther, once famously killed a rat at the Miami arena. Did you have any experience with rats at the Miami arena? Danny Shades, former member of the Miami Heat and seven other teams. Uh, not with the rats inside the arena. However, the beauty of it was when the players had to get police escorts from the players' parking lot that had that beautiful barbed wire surround into the arena just to make sure that we didn't get mugged between the uh, the parking lot and the arena back in the day. Wow, great. Wow. All right, I'm tapped with uh, Danny Shay's questions. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Right. We will check back in with you guys in a couple of minutes. Um, All right, we'll come back to you in a couple minutes, I will continue to brother. object to this segment. I will continue to object to having this foisted on us until it produces good radio. You guys let me know when it does that, okay? Wow. Because I feel like we are wow, you don't six think it's or seven strong radio? weeks past it being good radio. You know what's weird is that and, and, this entire segment had been going so well up until this point. Yeah. Danny Shades. You know what? We dangled the carrot. We dangled the carrot. <laughs> we just we told the, the American carrot. audience that Alec Baldwin was coming on. Oh, and what they okay. got instead was Daniel Baldwin... And Danny Shays. I have to hear they're going to holler as soon as uh, Alec Baldwin shows up. Don't forget that. Um, One of the things that I love about this tension with the Baldwins, (laughs) and now the Baldwins and the Wahlbergs are feeling as they should be, is just how delighted Greg Cody was to have the fifth fat Baldwin address him. He's listening in. You can't be. Oh, no! Is he? I thought I was saying that when he wasn't here. He's still listening to us? Why is he listening oh, to yeah, us? Put him back on now so he can defend himself. Here they go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back on. More insults. More insults. What? But I'm fatter than More you are. More insults. I'm, I'm fatter than you are. You know what? what's interesting, though, that I've been waiting for more than, than the celebrity prognosticator? And we have a Alec very Baldwin? special quad. We have, we have a very special quatrain for you today, by the way, I want you to know, which is really the highlight of the whole segment, is it not? In the studio, walking in right now, Big Al just stepped into the studio. He's going to come in hot. Here he is. Say hi, Alec. Am I on? Am I on? How am I, Alec? All right. We're here. <laughs> you're, breath. you're breathless. We're yes, here. He ran up. Thank you for hurrying. He, is, he here, ran Alec. up to be here. We appreciate it. Uh, before we get to our celebrity prognostication, can I ask you a couple of questions? I want to ask you, I find your career fascinating. And I've, we had a discussion the other day about whether you were a comedian or an actor because of how good you were on comedians in cars getting coffee with Seinfeld. Uh, what is the distinction and what do you consider yourself? Well, you know, when I'm on this show and when I've been doing this show lately, what I really consider myself is Daniel Baldwin's brother. That's what I am. Wow. I'm the brother of a famous radio celebrity, of a sports prognosticator par excellence. I'm the kind of brother of Paulie the Mole. That's a great distinction. You know, Paulie <laughs> so you're the Mole a comedian. The you're a comedian. He's, he's, he's the uh, Pete Best of the Baldwin clan. Am I a comedian? Uh, you know, no, I, I never say comedian because comedians write their own material. Uh, you're not a comic. In my mind, that's the distinction, unless you write the stuff. So if you're a stand-up, improv, you know, sketch comedy groups, groundlings, all that kind of stuff, uh, UCB, all those great comedy groups, you're a comedian if you write, and I don't write. But I think, Alec, I think you saw... 
Well, I did 30 I think Rock, you sell no yourself Tina, short. Excuse Carl me. Octavio. Excuse me. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I, it, no, it just seems that uh, that other comedians think of you as a comedian because I don't think of a lot of other people being on that show with Seinfeld other than you, and I didn't feel like you were there because of your friendship. I feel like you were there because you earned it with your no, What I am is a schmuck. What I am is a schmuck because Seinfeld wanted to do a couple shows reprise. He wanted to bring back a couple people, and he couldn't get anybody. All the big stars, all the great comedy stars weren't available. You know, so he called me, and I filled in. He, I'm always the fill-in. I'm the guy they get to fill in. I'm the fill-in. <laughs> is it, when they is can't it get true the that big you people, have... When they can't get, you know, uh, 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 Howard Stern or someone. Is it true <laughs> that you have a standing invitation to do Saturday Night Live whenever you'd like? I wouldn't say that's true. I mean, I, I, I have a standing invitation to come on and do something, maybe not to host, but uh, and, and doing the Trump thing is certainly something that they've asked me to do more than I have time for. But... Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, that's like a home to me, and they're all old friends of mine. I mean, I'm, I've been doing this now for a while, and uh, uh, in that time, you know, a couple of years from now, we'll be doing this for like 40 years. And um, in that time where I've worked with people where there was a kind of very comfort zone there, the Roundabout Theater uh, or Guild Hall of East Hampton or, you know, different people I've worked with, uh, uh, Lorne and the people at 30 Rock and at, at SNL are, are very old, dear friends of mine. Alec, what's your best Studio 54 story? Because you were a busboy there in your 20s during all the debauchery and all yeah. the, the famous and infamous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my best story I can't tell on the air, which involves all kinds of sexual devices and, and, and creams <laughs> and jellies and lubricants and all kinds of uh, uh, costumes and things. It was kind of a... I know I can't... I mean, I'm not going to say anything because if, if, if I just said like Marie Antoinette, that would blow your mind. Did you stop by my hotel room before you came down here? Right, right, right. You have a full recreation up in your hotel room of Studio 54. But yeah, but it was a crazy... I, I was there right when they were about to close. Right after I was working there, they closed. Because when I was there, it was toward the last gasps. Because I guess 76, 77, that's when it was big. I was there in 79. And uh, uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was kind of uh, gasping along. But there was uh, very rarely, but like once a month maybe, some famous people would come rolling in there. And, and it was kind of amazing. Yeah, kind of, do you, for me, do back you, then it was. Yeah. Do you have something that you remember above all else from hosting the Academy Awards with Steve Martin uh, in 2010? I do, I do actually. The people would come up to me who were older members of the Academy. I mean, they were some of them were very old. And their membership in the Academy was one of their last remaining links to the industry. They kept their membership alive. They would come to the screenings at the Academy screening room. Their membership in the Motion Picture Academy was something that they held very dear and they took very seriously, and they get their Oscar tickets. And some guy walked up to me, and I, I wish I'd gotten his name because I, I was hosting, so I was kind of on the run. And we were backstage, and I went to go use the bath bathroom, and I'm in some hallway, and the guy was like, uh, uh, Alec, I'm uh, Steve, uh, Steve White. And I want to congratulate you for hosting the uh, Oscars. It's a great thing you're giving back to the Academy. Uh, I was the uh, property master on She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. And he named like some classic movie from yesteryear. I, I, my hands were shaking. I was like, oh, my God. Then you turn around an hour later, there was a woman like, Mr. Baldwin, I'm Muriel Smith. And I was the script supervisor on North by Northwest. 
you know, with all these old timers <laughs> thanking me. Because to them, the Oscars is a big deal. So they were very, very sweet to me and very kind. Is it true that you were almost in Anchorman? Uh, no, boy, where are you digging this stuff up from? You got, you're like, where, where'd you go on the internet and go to like dumbest questions to ask a celebrity on the radio? No, I want to know that, whether the, you were. That's dumbestquestionstoaskacelebrity.com, by the way, for your listeners. Dumbestquestionstoaskacelebrity.com. It's, it's right, a great Let's pick the games. Let's pick the games. Go ahead and play the music. Go ahead and play the music and let's pick the games. And now it is time for Celebrity Prognosticator. Let's win some money. Chiefs at Rams. Rams minus three and a half. Who you got? I say uh, the Rams plus three and a half. Uh, Kansas City plus three and a half over the Rams. KC plus 3.5 over the Rams. Bucks at Giants. Uh, Giants minus one. Who you got? Giants minus one over Tampa Bay. Uh, Raiders at Cardinals. Cardinals minus five and a half. Who you got? Raiders plus four over the Cardinals, baby. Five and a half. Uh, okay. He doesn't even need the extra point and a half. Wait, wait, what would you say? There's an amendment. Then why are you handing me this stupid Because he's changing the line. Okay, okay. Raiders plus five and a half. Yeah, my brother Daniel, he's bad with math. He flunked math. Raiders plus five and a half over Arizona. Broncos at Chargers. Thank God in our family now. Chargers minus seven. Who you got? Do you believe? You thought there was only one. I am your father. But the gift has been handed down from generation to generation. Oh, well, isn't that mysterious? Ha! Quatrains from the even greater one. Coffee's for closes on You think I'm It's time. I don't know what the hell's going on here. (laughs) For Nostra (laughs) Zander. Neither do I, baby. Nostra Zander. Ponies far away from their home come to slaughter in this poem. A charger hero of whom delivers two million drachma on Philip Rivers. <laughs> the great and powerful Zan has spoken. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, so we're going to get a fifth one, too, right? We're going to get another one of those quatrains? Yes, uh, we've Steelers, Steelers at Jaguars. Do you believe? My soul is prepared. How's yours? Quatrains from the Great One. What is this? It's time for Nostra Daniel. In the land of steel and terrible towels, the bell now removed, it no longer howls. The choice is made and done with honor. All of our faith now with James Connor. <laughs> the great one has spoken. Polly, I'm burning. Wait, get some cold water thrown on him, Polly. Polly, make a pick. Polly, wipe that foam off his mouth. <laughs> Do they make a pick? The hotel lobby is terrified right now. Polly, Polly, my God, I think he wet his pants. Look at his pants. Oh he wet his pants. I did. Fruit of the loom, wasted again. He was in such a trance. Did I make a pick? What happened? I, he was in such a trance. He right, wet well, his pants. We got to go. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Your wife's. Hey, now, and we're back on the big show. So that was an interesting segment, but I want to bring to Alex's attention something that he's unaware of right now. 
uh, or, or he was brilliantly aware of, and, and we didn't know it ourselves, and that is on the show when I brought up uh, shaving our heads as we've been doing for our nephew Vance, uh, I told the mole yesterday, now that he's been uh, inducted into the Baldwin Brotherhood, he had to shave his head, to which case his immediate response was, yeah, I'm a Wahlberg now. So last night, Alec uh, unexpectedly invites Mole and I to meet him for dinner. Uh, was there some subversive plot? Were you aware of this? Or what was that all about? Uh, well, first of all, we stopped at my mom's house, <clears throat> and we said, uh, you know, we need to borrow a knife from your ma. We need to borrow a knife. <laughs> we hit a deer on the parkway, That's and right. the thing got stuck in the grill of the car, the hood of the car, the, uh, what do they call it? The, the paw. foot. The foot. The foot. The, the hoof. The foot. The hoof. That's it. The hoof. We got to get the hoof out of there. So we're going to take, we're going to get a bag of lime, get some shovels, <laughs> dig a big hole, and pull the mole. Oh, where'd he go? He See, he been? You answered a question last segment that said, are you an actor or a comedian? And you said, I don't write my own stuff, so I'm not a comedian. My comedic timing was impeccable, and I wrote my own joke. I'm a Wahlberg. It's a funny punchline when you don't want to shave your head. <clears throat> yeah, now, which Wahlberg are you more like? Is it more like Donnie Wahlberg or Mark Wahlberg? He's Paulie Wahlberg. He's, Paulie He's the Wahlberg. brother that makes. I'm going to be the one that makes the hamburgers. Right. I'm You're my the gravy. The my You're gra- the one with a face for radio. Yeah. My gravy right. train is Daniel Baldwin. I'm going. To- <laughs> I'm so tomorrow's be- game. Tomorrow's game. Tomorrow is it? So what do they say? Syracuse ranked number twelve. Ten point underdog to Notre Dame was ranked number three. Uh, you know, and don't kid yourself. Syracuse has scored over fifty points in three games this year already. They could beat Notre Dame in Yankee Stadium for sure. So what? What does? Uh, uh, what when you analyze both teams is he is he able to, to, to reflect on this for us? He's he's, sure. a, he's a legendary Syracuse alum. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> what does Syracuse need to do? What like what, what's the specialty thing they need to pull off? What do they need to do to beat Notre Dame? First thing they have to do is control the tempo of the game. They're a high tempo offense. They got to be careful about getting quick three and outs and having their defense spend a lot of time on the field. And uh, but they can score a bunch of points. They got to keep Notre Dame on their heels and uh, make them play from behind. Don't give up big plays. Too. Dino Dino Babers, the head coach of Syracuse, said something that I've been I've been saying. Syracuse has the number one special teams in all of college football, and it will be a very pivotal point in the game. We have to limit how much they run kicks back. Our punter is amazing. Our field goal kicker. Listen, if we can get down the field and get in field goal range and chip away at them and score nine points and you know on field goals in this game, that could be the difference. It's going to be a close game for sure. Cool. Cool. But well, I mean, I'm always when I watch college games now. <clears throat> when I, you tell me if I'm wrong, I mean, I, I like everybody because I mean, I'm not as as much of an authority on this as you guys are. But when I watch pro games, the ball's in the air all the time, and they run minimally compared to the old days. I mean, right. the, 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 it's a passing game deluxe now. And uh, 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 I remember when we were kids, uh, Dad would have that sign on the wall that would say, "When you throw the when you put the ball in the air, three things can happen. Two, Two of them, them are bad." bad. And uh, uh, the uh, you know so they say you know the running game or the running game wins championships. Uh, the other sign, uh, remember we said was uh, uh, if they score, if you score you may win. If they never score, you'll never lose. Defense wins championships. That's right. But what I'm curious about is in the college game, I see more running obviously than I do in the pro game. Is that real? Is that am I not hallucinating? No, it is real. The pro game is really. In both football and basketball, has kind of gone to the to the home run play. They like to throw it a lot. Basketball relying on the three point line. You know they've gone. You know baseball gone to the home run ball. You know the the pro game has really gone to the you know swing for the fences kind of mentality. Where college they're still grinded out, run the options, have great runners. They, they play were, football. They play football. Old school <laughs> football. Exactly. Right. And and Paulie said he has a seat for you in the booth if you want. Uh, 
Yeah, if you want to go up there and... Paulie, would you do me a favor before I get in that booth? Would you take a shower and shave before I get up there? Can't promise to shave, but I don't want to be photographed with somebody who looks like, uh, you know, somebody that's coming to clean out my garage. Yeah, Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt. Now, the other question is, uh, I don't, for some reason, I really don't like, I mean, even though I'm not a Patriots fan, and I certainly have my criticisms of Belichick. I mean, I think Belichick obviously has committed a few crimes in his life uh, uh, in terms of his reconnaissance and everything, but the um, uh, you, you, you look back and you got to admire these guys who had great careers and no one had a greater career than Brady. Do you think it's unfair the way they're kind of deconstructing him now and saying, oh, he's finished now and well, his, his passes are all ducks now and they really are really letting the air out of him now. No pun intended, by the way. Well, what have you done for me lately mentality has always been yeah, the quarterback terrible. position in the NFL, but I'm going to say this. You know, an old, really, really good friend of mine, uh, Vinny Testaverde, walked into Hugh Culverhouse's office, and he was the Heisman Trophy winner, and he had an average of 2.2 seconds to throw the ball in a five-step drop back, as opposed to the NFL average, which was 3.9 or whatever, and he said, they're laughing at me. They're saying that Hugh looked at him with the cigar in his mouth, like out of the movie The Natural. He went, Vinny, we're the only act in town. When they stop packing the stadium, then I'll spend more money to bring them back. Why, from right. a business standpoint? And Vinny walked out of there almost crying, thinking to himself, he's never going to surround me with offensive linemen. The Jets have never been willing to spend right. the money to, so, to win. So never. With that, with the that Jets said, the, the Jets are the big Jets management and Jets ownership are the biggest disgrace in the NFL. I'll say that on the record. They never spent what they needed to spend to really, really win. Well, Woody's moved on now. He's like he's the foreign ambassador to uh, England or something. Now. Who cares? I'm just yeah. saying the Jets. I mean, and then they had a lot of opportunities. What would Vinny Testaverde have done if he had been in Brady's in Brady's shoes and ran that offense? Arguably, I don't know if he'd been Tom Brady, but he'd have been a lot better and respected because Belichick and his system is that much greater than, than a lot of the other I teams. I can think of a lot of quarterbacks who, listen, if this, if that. I think, uh, I think Peyton Manning could have won another ring. I think Eli, Eli Manning could have won another ring if he had more protection in, in another season. I mean, protections. I mean, Brady is the beneficiary of the. I mean, of the ultimate protection in the NFL. Brady is somebody who. I mean, I hope he buys all these guys like a house in Vail, his front line, not a car. I mean, should. he should buy them all a ski chalet somewhere. We got to wrap up. We got to wrap up. It's, it's been over. a great two days here mm-hmm. in New York. Thank all our sponsors that. Uh, yeah, the thanks, Pony everybody. up money to put this uh, the trip on for us. Uh, installations Unlimited. SU Oregon uh, this afternoon. Let me just say this real quickly because I'm going to run. Very nice to meet you. Thank Good you. Good luck. And you're going to go to the game tomorrow? Absolutely. Enjoy that game. Danny, you're going to call me when this is over. Call me later because I'm going to go to work. And Mole, where are you going to go when we get done here? Where are you going? I no, got to go we right to work. Are we going to have dinner with you or me and the Mole? No, no, where, where are you going when we get down here, Mo? Where are you going? I, I got to go right back to work. I got the no, SU no, Mo, game. You, I don't think you heard me clearly. You're going to go take a shower, Mo. I want you to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some decent clothes. You look, you look like you're coming to clean my pool, Mo. Oh, God, God bless you guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Goodbye, everybody.